this sermon series of selfless um, really stirred a lot of things in our hearts, and I'm sure in your heart too. If you missed maybe a sermon or so, last week's sermon that Andreas brought was amazing. If you want to listen to them, you can go to Spotify. Everything is available there. And um, we said that society is really becoming more selfish. You know, it's, if we look at um, everything out there, it's all about myself, what I need, what I want. And, and even with our relationship with God, it sometimes comes to a place where it's all about me. You know, God, you have to help me. You have to do this for me. It's all about the me. And even with our looking at the new year, we can sometimes plan everything according to my will and not necessarily God's will for my life. And I don't know about you, but God knows the best plan for our lives. He knows the best way to live for our lives. And so His will is actually what it's all about. But to follow His will, we need to become selfless. Um, And so... You know, sometimes most people, or just to say, most people think that God exists for them. God, you have to do this for me. You have to answer my questions. You have to perform for me. But actually, we were created for His pleasure. We exist for Him. And um, Jesus also said something about this in Matthew 16, verse 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to follow me, must deny themselves. This, you know, give up this self-centeredness and take up the cross and follow me. And then we answer this question, but how do we do God's will? Because it's all about His will. It's all about giving up the self-centeredness, the selfish things in my life and following God's will. But what is God's will? And then we touched on four things. That uh, The first one was witnessing, to be bold in our witness. Um, the second one was the service, it's God's will to serve one another and to be faithful in that. It's God's will to be generous, but how extravagant are we in our generosity? And then uh, last week we talked about grateful in the grind. No, those are not the right <laughs> slides. All right, just check, just check those for me. So grateful in the grind, it's all about God's will is for us to work, but um, how grateful are we in the everyday uh, things of working in our life. So today I want to add another sermon to this to this series that I really felt in my heart God wants to speak to us about. And this is all about God's will for us is to be obedient. So we've got a technical thing there. I don't know, some synchronization with the files, whatever. So just follow me. Um, obedience. And the question is how comfortably do we obey God's will. It's His will for us to obey His instructions, His, whatever, whatever He prescribes for our life. How do we obey that in a comfortable way? Now, it's interesting that obviously uh, obedience is part of our everyday life. Every day in your life, you are obeying some instructions. May it be at your work, policies at your work, or instructions from a manager or a director or CEO. Um, you are obeying that, and um, we obey, you know, the rules as we drive. Um, we obey the government. We obey IRD and all of these things in our lives. We, on a daily basis, we are obeying. Um, I want to tell you the story. There's a man with five kids, and he went uh, to one of those play, like a, f- a fair or so, and he, he won a toy at a raffle. 
And so he, he called his five kids together and said, listen, yeah, so one of you can have this toy. And um, the one that will get the toy will be the one that never talks back to mommy when she asks you something to do and who always listens to mommy. That person can get the toy. And so there was a moment of silence. And the kids, after the moment of silence, with five, like in unison, the five voices says, Daddy, you should have the toy. <laughs> so he was the one obeying everything that mommy says and uh, always doing, never talking back to mommy. So listen here, obedience is really amazing when your rules or whatever you set down to be done um, are being obeyed. I mean, it's amazing. Then obedience is really an amazing thing. Um, just think about this in your home. How amazing will it be if you say, please, to your kids, please sit still, and they just do it. How amazing will it be if you say, please clean your room, and it just happens. You know, they just obey. It won't be, it's amazing. If you are the one giving the instructions and someone obeys, it's really amazing. But why is it so amazing? Because there's method behind the madness. You don't want to just be a terrible parent or just be, uh, you know, difficult. Actually, what you're doing is you're teaching your kids to take responsibility. So when you say, do this, clean your room, you're actually setting them up for their life in the future. And so it's securing them and it's teaching them responsibility. It's actually there's method behind the madness about giving instructions and expecting uh, people to obey that. And I want to tell you it's the same when it comes to God. God's will is for, we, for us to obey Him because He knows what is best for me and also what is best for the people around me. Because as we obey God's will for our lives, it doesn't just have an implication on my life, but it actually has an implication on people's lives around me. If I'm... If I disobey what God's will is for my life, it will, it will, it will have a big implication in your life and people around you. It will, it will affect people. And we should understand this. It's God's will for us to obey Him because He wants us to be secure in this life and, and He knows the best for us. Now, the problem is, is that we struggle to obey comfortably. It's not always comfortable just to obey. It's not always easy just to say, all right, I'll just do it. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, we resist and we push back. And the reason is because we have our own plans and our own selfish, sometimes our selfish plans and ideas. And, and you know, sometimes we follow that. And when it doesn't, uh, when it fails, we actually just blame God for what's happening in our lives. You know? And that's just not a good place to be um, in our lives, blaming God, but actually a few steps back, we didn't really follow God's instructions or His will for our lives. So the question I want to ask you this morning is how would your life be different if you obeyed God comfortably? If you could be at a place in your life where you just comfortably say, God, I will obey your will for my life. I will follow you. I will just do what you ask me to do. How will it affect your life? How would your life be different? You see, the problem is that we, 
we say that we are Christians and we serve Christ and we follow God, and, but we push back and in our obedience um, to His will. We push back on that. And, and Jesus actually had something to say about this when He um, was on a journey on earth and was actually addressing a group of people. And we see um, the Sermon on the Mount. This is actually the environment where this happened. God, uh, Jesus' first sermon was amazing. And he actually said, if you want to follow me, here's some stuff that I'm prescribing to you in your life. Live according to this. Obey this. And you will have a fruitful life. And so in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, we see amazing thing happening in Jesus saying this, these words. He says, what good does it do for you to say that I am your Lord and your master if you don't put into practice what I teach you? What good will it bring in your life? And then he goes further. He says, let me describe the one who truly follows me and does what I say. He is like a man who chooses the right place to build a house and then lays a deep and secure foundation. When the storms and floods rage against that house. Now let me just stop here and just remind you that storms and floods will always sometimes rage in this life. Physically, in your life, wherever, it will come. When, uh, so when the storm and the floods rage against that house, it continues to stand strong and unshaken through the tempest, for he built it wisely on the right foundation. But the one who has heard my teaching and does not obey it is like a man who builds a house without laying any foundation at all. When the storms and the floods rage against that house, it will immediately collapse and become a total loss. Which of these two builders will you be? I mean, this is, this is so important. Jesus saying, if you call me Lord and Master, you say, I am the Lord over your life. I have lordship over your life. But you don't obey what I'm prescribing you in life. You will not have a fruitful life. It will go difficult for you. you these actually, it, it, it doesn't match up to say that I am your Lord, but you, but you don't comfortably obey what I'm asking you to do. Because it's for your best of your life that you follow my will. Now, I just brought you this definition of the word obedience. It's the Greek word hupakuo, uh, which actually means to conform to command or authority. authority. It's to conform to a command or authority. And I want to tell you this this morning, is that whatever you allow to have authority over your life, will sometime in your life expect obedience from you. Doesn't matter what it is or who it is. If you allow that, something or someone to have authority in your life, you will sometime have to obey the command 
of that authority. It will expect it. It will expect it. I want to take you to a concept of something that we experience on our daily lives called information overload. We live in a time where we experience information overload really on a daily basis. Um, I just want to read this to you. Current research suggests that the surging volume of available information and its interruption in, of people's work can adversely affect not only personal well-being, but also decision-making, innovation, and productivity. All the information that we experience on a daily basis. This is actually a problem today because our brains cannot really process all of the information that we experience on a daily basis. In one study, for example, people took on an average of nearly 25 minutes to return to a work task after an email interruption. <laughs> Just listen to this. Um, now, this is bad, obviously, for individuals and for organizations. Now, here's a new thing that's really uh, that's concerning. They call it email apnea. You know, like you have sleep apnea. You don't really sleep. You get email apnea now. It's the unconscious suspension of regular and steady, uh, steady breathing when people tackle their emails. This is a, whatever you want to call it, I don't know if it's a sickness or a condition that people are starting to experience because of information overload in our lives. Why am I saying this to you this morning? Here's it. There are a lot of voices that speaks to you on a daily basis that wants your attention with the intention for you to conform to that command who wants authority over your life. There are thousands of voices through all of these information that we get that speaks to you, who wants authority over your life and wants to command things in your life and wants you to obey. But you and you alone have to decide who or what will be Lord over your life. You decide. Who or what will have lordship over your life? Who's going to give command in your life? Whose authority, whose command will you obey at the end of the day? The choice is yours. You see, we cannot call him or cry out to him, Lord, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. But we resist and we push back on obeying his perfect will for our lives. So the question is, how can we comfortably obey God's will? How can we get to a place where we say, God, to obey is your will. But how can I do this more comfortably? You know, because when you hear the word um, obedience, you label it with a label. Some people will maybe see it as a positive thing. Other people will see it as a negative thing. But how do we obey comfortably? Because obedience is something that's God's will for our life. The word is full of it. There's so many scriptures. 
Um, and I believe to get to a place to comfortably obey God's will, it starts with something of spiritual maturity in our lives. If you're going to approach God's will uh, or obedience, this God's will obedience, out of an immature approach, you will always fulfill something of another command in your life, an expectation. But you, if you approach it out of a place of maturity, you will do it more comfortably and you will fulfill God's will for your life. It will be easier. Now the question to get to this, understanding our spiritual maturity, I want to ask you this question. What thought comes to mind when you hear the word obedience? What picture do you see if you hear the word obedience? Just for a moment, think about it. Obedience. <laughs> what comes to mind? This past week, I actually asked some people, what do they see? So one of the things people saw or that, they, that came to mind was a child and a parent and being obedient to your parents. And um, uh, another one was someone saw a picture or said what comes to mind is a dog and its master being obedient to its master. And this was actually amazing just to see this picture um, an individual and a group being obedient to a group. So this, these were some of the pictures that people saw that I asked during this week. And um, actually, there was this article about a group that came together and they, they, they take a concept and they ask people to connect words, other words, you know, uh, uh, that they connect with this word, actually, or this this. Um, a concept, and so they also asked us about obedience. What other words do you connect with the word ob obedience? And so, um, some of the words were dictatorship, um, top down, submissive, fail. If you don't obey, you fail, you know, it's just be a failure. But the word that was was used the most to actually connect to the word obedience was the word punishment, which was sad. Punishment. Obedience. If you don't do it, you will be punished. Because that's sometimes how we grew up, maybe. I don't know. Well, this is the label that society or the world gives you, you know, to this world, to this word or concept obedience is complying with rules and regulations, knowing that punishment will follow if you don't comply. So this is a very strong connection. But our, what we have to find and discover is what does God say about obedience? This is the label that society gives of the word Obedience. If you don't do it, punishment. You're going to have a hard time. What does God say? What does his word say? And in Philippians 2 verse 6, I want to just take you to the scripture. This is so encouraging. It talks about Jesus, who is not just the perfect example for us, but he's the perfect example of us also. 
is that we look at the life of Jesus and we say, we can actually do what Jesus did. We can live the way he lived. Because we were created in his likeness and in his image. And he's living inside of me. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So I'm just giving myself and then let God live through me, through Jesus Christ. So and this is so amazing. If you read how Jesus went about his own life and his obedience, this will stir you so much. Listen to this. It says, he, this is now Jesus, existed in the form of God. Remember, Jesus was God, but he was also um, human. So he existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. Just take note, this was God's will for his son, Jesus Christ, to be a servant. Scripture is full of that. Um, he became human. This was also God's will for his life. He humbled himself and became vulnerable Choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example, even in his death. A criminal's death by crucifixion. Listen to verse 9. It says the following. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. And he has now been given the greatest of all names I don't know about you but if I look at this scripture I don't see anything any label of punishment but I see a Jesus that knows who he was in his relationship with his father he was in right standing with his father and something happened in his obedience he was exalted in his obedience God multiplied his greatness. I just see growth. I just see positivity. I just see the greatest of all names because of an act of comfortably obeying God's, the Father's will for his life. So Jesus says obedience is following God's will. Because he has lordship over my life. Guess what? Then you will be lifted up. God will lift you up. God will set you up for great things in this life. And so this brings us to a place where we understand that obedience is not a place of weakness. Obedience is actually a place of power. Because we understand who we are. In Christ Jesus, and we, because He is Lord over our lives, we comfortably obey His will. It's about growth, it's about glorifying God. I want to give you this picture. To comfortably obey, you have to understand the perspective, the image of yourself standing in front of God will determine if you approach obedience in a mature or immature manner. 
if you had to stand here today, and God must be here present, standing next to you, looking at you face to face, and you have to observe this situation, the perspective that you have, or the image of yourself in that scenario, is critical to how you would approach the concept or the act of obedience. You will either approach it in a mature way or an immature way. Now, here's the thing. Is that most people think that God is this majestic, big God. Yes, He is, and He always will be. But most people think when they look at themselves, and you have to maybe answer this question for yourself. If I look at myself, I see myself as insignificant and small and just trying to get by, just trying to uh, get acceptance from this big God. I want to tell you, if you have that picture of yourself, you are not seeing yourself the same way that God sees you. Because if God looks at you, he looks to you face to face. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. Face to face. And you know what? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. Listen to this. God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us. Listen to this. So that in Christ, you and me might become the righteousness of God. What does it mean? To be the righteousness of God. Righteousness in its essence means to be in right standing with God. Because of Jesus. Because of our, our, our position in Christ. Not because of our obedience. Because of Jesus going to the cross and including us in that reference. We are now the righteousness of Christ. When he looks at you, he smiles at you. When he looks at you, he doesn't see you as a small, insignificant person trying to get by. He sees you as someone that is in right standing. I'm not saying that you are the same way majestic as God. That's what I'm saying. But it's a place of relationship. And God looking to you and he see the potential in your life. And he's, he's excited about your future. Not, oh, you're your little thing there. Where you just must, you know, just grow up a little bit. That's not how he sees you. Because it's the sin of our lives that actually brought us to that place of insignificance. But Jesus took that sin on his life. And he actually died with that sin on the cross so that you and me can be lifted up. As the righteousness of Christ. Now listen to this. This is mature thinking. This is spiritual maturity. Understanding who we are in Christ. Our position. Our identity in Jesus. So here's the scenario. When you had to stand here in Jesus or God stand here. God is looking at you and saying. Wow. You belong here. You belong here in my presence because I'm looking through my son Jesus who took all your sins away. And you are in right standing with me. You belong here. Hey, I've got the best plan for your life. I'm so excited about your future. 
And because I see myself in this scenario the same way as God sees me, I'm saying, God, I understand that you are the Lord over my life. You will have the Lordship over my life. You are my Savior. And now because you are the Lord of my life, I want to obey everything that you say because you have the best plan. Someone once said, these, once said these words, maturity is to know the difference between the shadow and the substance. A small child, little child will always stand in the shadow of a parent. And that scenario is not a, it's not a mature scenario. A dog will always stand in the shadow of its master. It's not a mature scenario. But substance is maturity, is understanding that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are called to a relationship with Him and not to uphold and obey rules and rituals to prevent punishment, but a relationship that will convict us and exhort us and edify us and comfort us to grow into spiritual maturity in Christ. So listen to this. We don't obey God to make Him Lord, hopefully in our lives. It's because He is Lord over my life that I comfortably and freely obey His will. It's another way of thinking. It's another way of thinking. I love Hebrews 5 verse 13 in the Mirror Bible. It says, the revelation of righteousness, my position, my standing in Christ before God, the revelation of that, discovering that, is the meat of God's word. <laughs> Have you ever heard people say, I just want, I, I want to listen to a sermon, but it must be meat. It, doesn't, it mustn't be milk. You know, it's for, it must be for adult people. You know. i heard many people say that. I want to tell you, if you want meat, discover who you are in Christ and start living that. Start living that. He, he writes further, he says, God's act of righteousness in Christ restored mankind to blameless innocence. When God looks at you face to face, you belong there. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In right standing with Him, He says, you are innocent. Stop worrying about the stuff that makes you feel guilty and, sh and ashamed because Jesus, my Son, took all of that in your life. He took it on Him on the cross and He died with that. There's no place for those things in your life anymore. Understand who you are in me, in Christ Jesus. And see my will for your life. And get to the place where you maturely and comfortably and freely obey my plan for your life. So we need some practical things to help us to obey comfortably. You guys can come to the front. We need some practical things to be able to grow spiritually, mature, and 
to get to a place to really obey comfortably. I'm going to give you three things you can write down or take a photo, whatever you want to do. The first thing is we need open ears to discern the positive and the right influences, the voices that we listen to, to discern what will have, what is the good voice and what will have influence in my life. James write about this. He says, be quick to hear and slow to speak. You know, this is something that we struggle with sometimes. We speak, we talk, we talk. We struggle to listen. We struggle to listen, to say, God, I need an open ear to hear your voice. Open my ears to hear your voice, to be sensitive to you. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to obey your will. Your will, the second thing you need is an open book. <laughs> it's all about your spiritual discipline, is getting into the word. And so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You need to hear his will for your life. How do you hear it? Through the words of Christ. That's why reading the Bible is now not this obligational thing that I have to do and if I don't do it, oh my goodness, you know, punishment will come. Now, now I want to read the Bible because he's Lord over my life. And I want to see what his will is for my life. I want to follow this. Because then my life will be fruitful. And then this, the third thing that you need to do to obey comfortably is you need an open heart. And this is where transformation takes place. You know, Jesus says this in Revelation 3. He says, Behold, I stand at the door that's of your life, of your spiritual life, of your heart, and I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. This is so amazing. This is all about God's, Jesus' presence in your life, opening your heart to his presence. And you know what? When you do that, when you're in the presence of the Almighty, your life will never be the same again. Transformation will take place. You will see who you are in Christ. You will grow into that, the spiritual maturity to get you to a place where you comfortably obey His will for your life. You see, in Christ, we acknowledge His Lordship in our lives. And therefore we obey. My question that I want to end off today for you is how comfortably or how comfortable are you in obedience? How comfortable are you in obedience? Will you please stand with me this morning? Just close your eyes for a moment. Just think for a moment about this word obedience. This concept. Can it be that the Holy Spirit comes this morning and, and helps us to redefine it for our lives? To not see it as a place of, of punishment, and, but a place of growth. A place of power. A place where we say, God, we understand that you are the Lord of my life. You have the best plan. And we want to obey. This is your will, is to obey. We want to obey, Lord, because... You will set us up for greatness. We will grow. It is a positive thing to obey your word. 
So Lord, I want to pray this morning for every person here. Present this morning, Lord, I want to pray that you will, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us in our hearts and, and guide us to a place of spiritual maturity. Understanding who we are in Christ. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in right standing with you. We have a place in your presence. We have a place in your presence. We, that's where we belong. It's in your presence. You've opened the way. You've made a way. You've opened, opened that space so that we can enter into your presence, Lord, as your children. So that we can hear your heart. You hear your plan for our lives. And freely obey to your will. Thank you that we can look to your son, Jesus Christ, and see the ultimate example of how he did it. We thank you, Lord, for your word. May it be engraved in our hearts and in our spirit this morning. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I'm just sensing in my spirit this morning as you close just keep your eyes closed I'm just sensing that some of you came in here this morning and when I when I talked about this scenario you standing in front of God you were in that space where you saw yourself as so insignificant you, you actually thought I, I can't even how can God even look at me I will never be in that place to even encounter him face to face and it's because of opinions being spoken over over your life it may be the enemy coming and breaking you down but God says this morning listen all the shame and all the guilt that you maybe have experienced over the past years or in your in history of your life my son Jesus took those consequences those shame and the pain and the guilt and he dealt with it on the cross when I look at you I see value when I look at you I see potential when I look at you the love I don't have love I am love says God I just want to throw it over you and say I love you and I just felt, feel like God says restoration is coming to you in your heart but you have to see you have to see yourself the way that God sees you you have to discover that say God show me how do you see me because I need to see myself the same way we thank you for this in Jesus name thank you for your word Lord have your way in me Jesus it's your way not my way your will
want to remind you again of our sermon series of hope that's going to start the 25th of February. And um, what you can do to be part of that, even the small group and the sermons and everything on your chair, there's a little card that says connect. If you just take a photo of that or just go to your photo app, um, you can open a link on that and it will take you to all the places that you can get involved at and be part of a group. So welcome to do that. Just go to the uh, <clears throat> Hope Sermon Series small groups and you, when you click there, um, you can just uh, be part of our group session that's going to be there. So hopefully we'll see you there in two weeks time on the Wednesday evening. Please make sure that you connect with us in terms of that. And we're just going to work and journey around the word about hope in our lives. Thank you for being here this morning. See you next week. Please invite someone. To, next week will be a very important uh, day for us, um, communicating some incredible and uh, important things for this year. May God bless you. Please have some coffee, and we'll see you next week. God bless. Mm-hmm.